Mark Maxwell is a very different type of entertainment lawyer. He's much, much more than that. As a matter of fact, if you went to his website, you would see that he is he sees himself, and I totally believe this, that he is a counselor and a connector of creatives who are shaping culture. He has a passion for youth and particularly young adults who are just coming up in their careers. He has a very popular TEDx talk that he gave primarily that was born out of a lecture series that he has been doing on a regular basis here in Nashville at Belmont University. And he just has a way of looking at life that I think is very important for all of us to look at. This is not to be looked at from the lens of, well, I'm not an attorney. I, I, this doesn't pertain to me. This, it, these are life skills that each and every one of us, leadership skills that each and every one of us can learn from. I want you to pay attention to this concept that Mark talks about, that he is passionate about, which is success through serving. And it comes from his very deep relationship with Christ. And it shines throughout this entire conversation that I have with Mark. You're going to love him. You're going to love his heart. You're going to be inspired by him. And you're going to want to live your life the way he lives his life and the way he looks at his job and his work that he gets to do. He works by assignment. What he does is he is basically on assignment, on an assignment from God. And he looks at his life that way, putting God up as CEO, as part of his staff in his staff meeting. There's so many great nuggets from this conversation. I can't wait to get to it. So here it is, my conversation with Mark Maxwell. This is Courage Cast, encouraging one another so that more will believe. Mark Maxwell, welcome to the Courage Cast. Thanks, Eric. Really excited to be here. I am super excited. When I first saw your TEDx talk, I thought, I need to have Mark on. And then stuff got in the way. I got a copy of this book, and I was really grateful to get a copy of this book. And um, somehow we reconnected, and and um, I said, yes, I've been wanting to have you on. I, th- I felt like this is probably even a better time now that you're sort of past the initial launch of the book and, and all of that, just to have you on now and maybe get you a little more fresh uh, from this book. How's this been? Li- what's this been like? We'll talk about the book and we'll talk yeah. about our relationship, but what's it, what's it been like the last 18 months since you've um, started this venture and released Networking Kills? success through serving. Yeah, very surprising. It's been it's been an honor. For me it was uh, you know it was, it was a message that I shared to my students at Belmont University and um and love that. And it's it's something I've I've really seen transform them and encourage them and so to have an opportunity to sort of extend that message beyond to speak at other events and have people invite me to come and share on it. It's just, it's been very rewarding, very encouraging. Is this a message that you give still today at Belmont, a lecture? I typically do. I typically will do it every semester in some context. I have a couple different versions of it that I do depending on how much time that I have. But it's uh, it started as a lecture uh, probably nine years ago. 
and um, and it's just continued to evolve. And it's, it seems like it's just an important thing, especially for the next generation to hear. It, it is. It really is. It's so important. I love your heart to um, minister to young kids, you know, young adults, especially. Um, I think that's really inspiring and really needed. What is it about teaching at Belmont and being a professor there that gets you most excited? Yeah, well, it's funny because, gosh, about 11 years ago, I found myself in Africa on a trip and and God just did a radical thing in my life. I talk about that a little bit in the book and that story, what he did. And I came back from that thinking, maybe I'm done with practicing law. Maybe there's something else for me to do. Mm. And um, through some different circumstances and events, um, I just, you know, I thought, well, maybe I'm going to move to Africa. Maybe I'm going to get involved in a missions organization, do legal work for a missions organization. Mm-hmm. And unbeknownst to me, God was setting me up for a plan to to be a missionary 22 miles from my house instead of 2,000 miles away. To Nashville. Into, into Nashville. And that's really to step onto a college campus two nights a week and begin to really serve and share my life with college students. And so that's that's really been a big part of how that thing was birthed in me. I mean, we've always, my wife and I have always been a big believer in mentoring and serving young people, but it kind of, it kind of went to a, a whole other level a few years and back. Actually, now that I'm, I'm realizing you were my young adult pastor at New Song. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember that? Uh-huh. Yeah. Do you still do that? I well, you know what? I'd say informally, but we still Carol and I still we still lead home groups and we're very involved with I don't young know. people and we typically have yeah. a lot of involvement with both in our churches and, and what we do both both on the college campus and in church as well. So, yeah. 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 Cause now that now that I'm because I was a new believer uh, in 1995. So I had just accepted Christ and I was really hungry for God. I remember this now. And, and your, you hosted, I think you and Carol hosted us in your house or sure. somewhere in the church. Yeah. I can't remember. Yeah. But we go way back. That's I go it. way back true. with you. It's true. Before you started your law practice. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, you were working at word at the time. Maybe? I was, uh, huh. And in A and R, A and R word. Yeah. Tell some of the. Tell me some of the people that you uh, worked with. Yeah, back in the early late eighties, early nineties, I worked with folks like Phil Keggy and Randy Stonehill and the Imperials, and I was kind of the guy that signed all of the uh, the bands that we. I signed the heavy metal band, the punk rock band, the independent, all, all those kinds of bands was sort of my focus at, uh-huh. at that point in my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you had long hair. Yep. Very good. You still have great hair. Oh, thank you. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, and uh, and then and then before I knew it, you were I was working at Warner Alliance, and you were you spent a summer interning after your first year in in law in yeah. law school. Yeah, came back to actually I worked half the summer in Burbank with Warner Brothers, yes, and then half the summer in Nashville with Warner's, and mm-hmm. uh, great experience, and yeah. and uh, and then headed back for my last two years of law school, and yeah, yeah. and um, yeah, it, it was a big change in my life to go from, you know, I've been out of undergraduate school for 11 years and mm-hmm. to go back to law school at age 33 mm-hmm. was quite the shock, but it was awesome because it was a do-over for me when I, I, I was not a believer when I went through college the first time. And oh, so really? I, I missed most of that experience. And so mm-hmm. to get to go back and do it again yeah. in my 30s, clean, sober, married, <laughs> it was a whole different, different thing. And I just really enjoyed that. So... <laughs> yeah, I tell you what, um, when I accepted Christ and I started walking with the Lord, I 
I thought of education and um, in a, such a different way. Like I, I really felt like I missed the essence of it and the beauty of it and the the value of getting a good education and 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 growing in that way, personal sure. development in in so many ways. Sure. But um, another thing that that what I find attractive about your book, it's networking kills. But is it sk- it's skills with an with, with the S crossed off, right? right. So right, technically, right. it's networking kills. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to. <laughs> um, what I love about this is one of the things I learned as a 16 year old. I don't know if you knew this about me, but I went, and this is the reason that Jim Sturgeon hired me at Warner Alliance was when I told him that at age 16 I went through a Dale Carnegie public speaking and human effectiveness hmm. class. My dad sent me every Thursday night with a bunch of young 30s and 40-year-olds and 50-year-olds who were learning how to speak in public, learning how to talk to others and and ask questions and take sincere interest in others. Right. So when I saw what you were talking about, the the other layer of that that I don't think I really appreciated or got, but I know it planted seeds in me. Dale Carnegie quoted scripture throughout a lot of his books. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... Um, and I think it planted a seed somewhere there that that God was interested in my in my growth, but He was also interested in a relationship with me. Mm-hmm. So um, I feel like it kind of comes full circle when I see that you've written this book and you're giving these talks. Tell me, uh, just what does it mean to to serve? What does it mean to experience success through serving? Because Networking kind of can be a bad word, right? And in some ways, you're sort of putting an X across the skills part. So it's not it must not be about networking, really. I, I was taught that it that it it's important to network. It's important to build relationships. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you're necessarily saying that, but give me kind of the essence of the inspiration behind the book and success through serving. Yeah, it really started for me as a as a college professor, beginning to see the pressure that students were feeling. When they walk into a university now, mm. oftentimes the first day or first weeks of class, one of the things they'll hear is, listen, school's great, but if you want to find a job in four years when you graduate, you better start networking now. Mm. And that's the kind of thing that students were, were – I was hearing that they were being told. The problem with that is it begins to sort of set in motion this mode of I'm gonna, I need to build inauthentic relationships. Mm. I need to collect relationships. What can I get out of this? What can I get – from people, mm-hmm. who can I meet for my benefit? Mm. And I think the secret of life it, it is about relationships, but it's about who are you going to serve, who mm. are you going to give to. It's about generosity, it's about love, it's about sacrifice. The principles that Christ teaches in the Bible is really the Christian worldview. It's about laying down your life for others. And ninety percent, or maybe even ninety-nine percent of the time, when people talk about networking, it's about what can I gain? How can mm-hmm. I? By building this contact, how can I put myself at a higher position? How can I put? How can I find a job? How can I grow in this opportunity for myself? As opposed to who can I meet to benefit them? And so, as I began to see that pressure um, students were were feeling, I sort of said, "Well, you know what? Based on my own experience and based on what the Bible teaches, I think there's a different way that 
this next generation needs to be thinking about building relationships. And so it's interesting, as I've taught this over the years, and I've lectured on this subject now for quite a few years, Mm -hmm. you just see like the blinders come off a student's eyes, and you see this weight on their shoulders just fall off, and they're going, because I'm not saying stay home. I'm not saying don't go out and meet people, but I'm saying always ask yourself, why are you going to meet with people? Mm. Are you going to an event to serve others, or are you going to an event to exploit others? Mm. Are you going to to give, or are you going to take? Mm. And to always ask yourself, and, and really analyze your heart about why you're going to be part of something. And so I think as you... As, as I see young people begin to step into those situations with that kind of heart, there's no pressure. There's no pressure of, there's no fear. There's no fear of failure. You're basically stepping into those opportunities to give. Mm. And so there's peace in that. There's grace for that. And ultimately, you know, the Bible teaches as you, as you give, God gives back to you. Mm-hmm. You know, others are blessed and he takes care of us. Mm. That's his heart. That's his, you know, we're all made in his image. And so when we identify with that image, uh, you know, a, a God who laid down everything for us, sent his son for us. And when we enter into those relationships with that same sort of heart, he blesses us. Not only does he bless the, the person we're serving and loving, but he blesses us as well. Are there any limits or boundaries where you can give too much? I want to start there. Are there places where you can give so much that you're taken advantage of? People, I hear stories of people who give and give and give give abundantly, or they feel like they're giving abundantly, but then they kind of, people take advantage of that. So they give away stuff for free. Sure. You sure. know, um, that's not I, what you're talking about. Well, no, I mean, sometimes that's positive. I think it's one of the ways we have to learn to live. As followers of Christ, I think we learn to live that way because that will happen. People will take advantage of us. People will hurt us. People will reject our love and the things we've given to them. I think the key to that is, first off, we have to find balance with all the other things that God has called us to and to steward our marriages and our children and all those other things that are competing for our time. That's really important, but at the same time, we so can't... So saying no Yeah, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think, um, you know, the more we can make ourselves available to others and know that there's a risk in giving and serving, and part of us learning to accept that risk, and we will get hurt. Mm-hmm. We will be overly generous. People will take advantage of us, but how do we move beyond that and continue to do that? I mean, that's the way Christ lived, you know, mm-hmm. the way he gave himself out, the way he lived... He was he was he was generous, you know, and and he was never in a rush. He he was never striving. He was with the right person at the right time and meeting that particular person's need in mm-hmm. those moments. So. What a great example he set for us. Mm-hmm. Um. So, but yeah, I mean, I would rather. I guess I would. My answer to that would be: I would rather die giving too much than die taking too much. Does that make sense? Like being known for someone who did that or that be my lasting legacy. Yeah. And most of us, I mean, I mean, there's so much now that we're faced with that's about introspection. It's about what, how are my needs being met? How can I uh, um, provide self-care? And all those things are helpful. But unfortunately, I think a lot of that focus in today's culture really prevents people from really looking outwardly. There's Mm -hmm. such an inward focus you know, uh, on so many different things. And that's really not, I don't think that's what the gospel um, lays out for us as believers. We're, we're, we're to be, um, you know, loving God with all our heart, mind, and soul and strength and loving others 
as Christ loved them. And it, it, there's not a lot of focus on uh, my needs being met. How do I care? You know, and again, there's balance, but at the same time, I think there's a bit of an extreme on the inward focus now with so many people in the culture. The word narcissism mm-hmm. is a very popular word. I hear it all the time. Do you think we are in a narcissistic culture more than ever? Oh, definitely. Yeah. And the church is as well. You know, so much of what the church is focused on. It's like so many churches are very inward focused. How do we increase our numbers? How do we build our building? And oftentimes we forget the community and the people around us. And I think uh, that's where there's really life. That's mm-hmm. where we fulfill the uh, the Great Commission. And, and um, you know, self-care is good. You know, introspection's good. Understanding, you know, our um, our strengths and weaknesses is all helpful, but we can we need to also we be, can live there. We can live there, and mm-hmm. I think so many of us yeah. in the culture, but also in the church, tend to do that. Going back to college students, um, I remember very clearly I attended. This is back in the day when I had my own business, my Go Global International licensing business that I did. Um, I was attending a college fair. And there was one young man who pursued me after the fair, almost in a very, you know, uh, stockish kind of way, you know, and um, he was very persistent. I didn't understand it at the time. I was kind of flattered that he wanted to to work with me. And I ended up um, hiring him and having him as an intern and then hiring him and contracting him. But... In hindsight, as I got to know him, and he was young, college student, he was all about himself. You know, at the end of the day, it ended up being a very um, selfish motivation for what he, he wasn't, he was pretending to give in some ways uh, more than he was authentically giving. Do you see, do you talk about that, about the difference? Because I, you know, I, I'm jumping into this. I want to go kind of go back to some of the strategies and things that you may line out here in the book. But in that situation, can you tell the difference between someone who's authentic and someone who really does have a selfish motivation? Oh, of course. And and I think it's a lot of it is up to to us and mm-hmm. and and I was going to say our generation, but it, yeah. part, part of I think you know God's done things in, in our lives and our marriages and our children, and oftentimes we can hit this point in our life and we can just be okay. I, I just got to guard what's mine, mm-hmm. what's what's mine right now. And I think yes. I think part of what we need is to step into those relationships. That's one of the reasons I love being in the classroom with college students. You've got you know these these people have left mom and dad from all over the world. They've come to Nashville to find their dreams in creativity and music and film and theater. And those four years are lonely, they're isolated, and they're going to make decisions in those four years that are going to impact the rest of their life. And, yes. and part of what, by stepping into the classroom with those students, you begin to show them what serving looks like. You begin mm-hmm. to show them what caring looks like. And honestly, just showing up and caring a little bit, it's amazing how God can use you as a mentor in those young people's lives. But mm-hmm. I think so much of the culture, because of social media and other things, it's, it is very introspective. It's people are all they, they think success is overnight. They don't understand that there, it takes a lot of hard work. They're re- very self-focused. So how do we begin to break them out of that yeah. and see that they're going to really find purpose in serving others? You know, one of the things that stories I often share was when my son turned sixteen. 
you know, I passed down, I have a really old uh, 1989 Range Rover that gets about six or seven miles to the gallon that I passed down to him. So now he's got to figure out how he's going to put, put gas in that car. <laughs> so we start talking about his first job and where's he going to yeah. get a job? And, and I'm like, well, what have you thought about Chick-fil-A? He goes, dad, that would be so boring. <laughs> well, what about, what about Publix? You now Publix, you can, that new Publix. Will get, oh, so boring. Dad, I would never do that. And everything I suggested, boring, boring. And finally I said, wait a second, Harrison, you've got to understand, you know, it, work is about something completely different. You, you've got to understand that God has given you gifts and skills and you're going to step into that job and it's not about whether or not it's boring because a lot of jobs are boring, mm-hmm. right? But you need to see yourself stepping in that job saying, what can I give? Mm-hmm. What can I give to my coworkers? What can I give to those customers? And all of a sudden, as you step in with that sort of heart, you begin to find purpose and contentment, you know? Yeah. Because, you know... You know, there is no such thing as a dream job. Mm-hmm. Most jobs, especially not at yeah, that age. Yeah, most jobs are boring. But if you step in with a heart of service, then God can take the most difficult or the most boring job, and it can really feel like a dream. Yeah. Because it, it can really, you can have purpose and passion mm-hmm. being there. So I think that's important. And that's something we've got to help educate the next generation on. But also we edu- we show by how we care for them and how mm-hmm. we're how we're involved beyond our own little circle, beyond mm-hmm. our own friends, beyond our family. How do we step out and say, hey, how can I be there for you? How can I mentor you? How can I encourage you as a spiritual father, as a spiritual mother? What can I give to you? And sometimes it's just listening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a big that's a big part of it, it's just being there, being someone who cares enough to listen to their heart. And then all of a sudden they're like, okay, yeah, I, I get that. I see that. Mm-hmm. I, I want that too. I know that's where I'm going to find purpose and I'm mm-hmm. going to find contentment. Mm-hmm. Tell me how that, uh, how you live this out in, um, I want to hear more stories. So oh, yeah, tell sure. me how you live this out in your, with your current clients. Um, you obviously have a very large um, network, if sure. you can say that, sure. um, of people clients and people that you've worked with, um, Chrissy and I have, have been your clients. Um, what, uh, what does that look like? How do you live that out? Yeah. Are there some stories that you can yeah, sure. think of in your life that you applied some of the skills that you're yeah. teaching? Well, I, and I go back to when, you know, when I, when I started building my own law practice, yeah. I was like, how do I do this? You know, I, 33, I, I, 34, I, yeah, 35, whatever I, you Yeah, want. so now I've got to figure out how to, how to build this thing. Mm-hmm. And so um, I began to ask myself a lot of these questions and um, strived a lot in my own strength, did a lot of things that were not effective. Um, like what? Well, 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 one was, a well, great example, I went to um, South by Southwest uh, Music Festival in Austin one year. Mm-hmm. Spent 10 days there, spent probably a couple thousand dollars in hotel and airfare, handed out business cards, met managers, met John Mayer's manager, you know, Nora Jones was there, met all sorts of people, you know, lots of handshakes, lots of business cards, came back to Nashville, waiting for the phone to ring. (laughs) (laughs) Silence. Nothing. Yeah, nothing. And so it was one of those moments where, where I feel like God sort of took me out back and said, first off, he said, number one. Did you ask me about this trip to Austin? Mm-hmm. And I was like, "No, sir." <laughs> <laughs> Number two, he goes, "While you were there, you met a lot of people. You shook a lot of hands. You handed out a lot of business cards. You talked about your law practice a lot. But what did you do to really meet? You were around a lot of broken people, a mm-hmm. lot of drunk people, a lot of very lost people. Who did you pray for? 
Who did you love? Who did you encourage? You know, who did you share your faith with? That's what with? giving looks like. Yeah. And, and it was almost like the Lord said, don't ever do that again. Mm. And so for me, I, I learned then that if I'm put into a place, whether it's a convention or a group of people, to really see myself not as going in to promote myself, to meet people to, to, better, to, to better elevate my position as attorney or opportunities for me, walk into the room and say, who's lonely here? Who, who needs someone to walk up to? Who needs a kind word? Who needs someone to be interested in them? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so instead of going after the most popular person in the room, go for the loneliest person in the room. Mm-hmm. You know, um, And then it's funny because as you do that and as you begin to connect with people that way, then you make a difference in their lives and then they become a part of your team. Because mm-hmm. then if you, if you do it in an authentic, genuine way, that person may not become your client or someone you work with, but you know what? They're going to tell five other people that will become your client. Right. So as you begin to really build relationships authentic, authentically, genuinely, with generosity and sincerity, then God does the rest. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He, he, he brings those people in. And it's interesting because that those really become your advocates, the people that you really love. So often they're not the ones that become your clients or bring you business, or, but they are the ones that introduce you to business. Right, One right. of the things I started doing years ago, I'll... I'll um, I don't have a big staff, so a lot of my Monday staff meeting is really God and I, and mm-hmm. and, and we're talking about uh, my practice. And one of the things that we'll do is I'll, I'll begin just to play, I'll pray for all my different clients I'm working for, pray for their families, their marriages. And then particularly, I'll pray for the po- the problem clients. I'll pay f- pray for the clients who have not paid me in six, in six months. Wow, you know, I'll yeah. pray, and, and, and instead of getting uh, an antagonistic heart towards them, yeah. I serve them from afar when they don't even know that I'm serving them. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll just lift them up and say, you know what? I don't know why this guy hadn't paid me in six months, but Lord, bless him. Mm-hmm. Bless his business. Bless his family. Bless his marriage. That's a and, great and, staff and, meeting. And, and, yeah, and I'll serve them that way. And then the other thing I'll do is I'll, I'll just sometimes I'll, I'll spend time and say, Lord, who am I supposed to connect with? You know, And as opposed to going, I want to connect with someone to to build a business opportunity. Lord, mm-hmm. who, who do I just, maybe a, an old friend, someone I met at an event, I never have actually sat down with them, I've never heard their story, and I just let the Holy Spirit bring those people to mind. Mm. Call them up, hey, let's have lunch sometime. No strings attached. Right. I'm not looking for anything right. other than wanting to meet them, hear their story, buy them a lunch, mm-hmm. maybe pray for them and encourage them. And I've always found as I do that, with no strings attached, genuinely nothing in my heart where I'm looking some, for something from them. Right. Inevitably, what happens? Six months later, a year later, I get a phone call, I get an email, sure. and that person I bought lunch has told someone else about, Yeah, I'm the attorney they need to hire. Yeah. And yeah. so again, the Lord blesses that. I have a great story. Years ago, I had a guy from a, a very famous uh, uh, music magazine. I was a big fan of them. In fact, I've been reading the magazine since the day it was published. Hmm. And um, he reaches out to me. He says, hey, I'm coming to Nashville. I'd like to meet you. I never met him before. And I'd love to talk to you about the possibility of doing some of our legal work. I was like, oh my goodness. I was so excited. So we sat down. We had lunch for probably three hours. Mm-hmm. At the end of that lunch, I'm like, how did you get my name and how, how'd you get my number? Who, who referred you? He goes, oh, it was so-and-so. And he pulls out my business card out of his wallet. He says, oh, it was so-and-so. Mm. I'm like, I don't know who that is. <laughs> and he goes, well, maybe it was so-and-so. I'm like, I've never met them either. So he had this crumpled business card of mine, which again, I'm convinced that somehow one of those lunches where I bought someone 
a lunch and just got to know them. Right. I don't even know who it was. You don't even know who it is. He doesn't even know who it is. We don't even know who it was. <laughs> but again, you know, a few years later, he became a, a, a high profile client for me, someone mm-hmm. that I was, I, I could have never even found him as a client if I tried. Sure. But he found me mm-hmm. and it was a great honor to begin to serve him and serve mm-hmm. what they're doing at that company. Yeah. It's a great, I mean, just hearing you talk, it, I naturally want to be with you. Mm-hmm. You know, I naturally want you to. Because, because I know your heart is to, to serve, Thank you. and that's what you're trying to do. We don't do it perfectly. I know you don't sure. do it perfectly, but, but man, I, who wouldn't want a, a an entertainment lawyer that literally sits down and takes the time to pray for me and care, uh, and 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 care about his business, care about stewarding what God's given him, um, and and I mean, to me, it 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 sounds like God is the CEO of your of your business yeah. right yeah and i was going to say based on what you just said i think that's a really important part of this and and it's interesting cuz i've had a lot of um, students and people who've read my book um or have heard me lecture on this who are not followers of christ mm-hmm. and it resonates with them just as well mm-hmm. but the difficult thing because honestly to be able to walk this out and to live these principles You've got to really understand that God is your provider. You mentioned CEO, because if you don't believe what the Bible says about God being able to provide for you, inevitably, you're going to hit a point in your career or in your business where you're going to fall back on these, what I would call broken methods of networking, Mm. because you're going to be trying to promote yourself. You're going to be trying to, you know, win clients and that sort of thing. But if you truly, you know, see God as your provider, not your clients, not your boss, not your job, but God is your provider, then you can you can live this way and you're free of those other things. One of the greatest things for me is going to law school in my 30s um, was really an assignment from God. It wasn't my dream or my idea. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I went to God's school, went back to law school on a pure, very pure assignment from him. Mm-hmm. And wasn't even something I was really sure I wanted to do, but I knew I was doing it out of obedience to what God was calling me to. The great thing about that, here it is, 22 years later, and throughout the course of my career, I've had some bad years financially, some tough years, different things have happened. And to be able to say, okay, God, this was your idea. I had nothing to do with this. <laughs> You've got to provide. You know, I need some new opportunities, some new clients, some new things, and be able to just take that burden and roll that off of my shoulders and put it back on him. Yeah. There's something so free about that. Because you're yoked up next to him. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Take your take my yoke upon yeah, you. Upon exactly. You. Let's go back to the foundation of this, which to me is how did you know that God was telling you to go to law school? How do you, because you said, I oh, yeah. knew. How did you know? Yeah. Well, for me, you know, one of the things I was taught years ago from a couple of different pastors and leaders in my life, and they said the key to success in life is to live your life by assignment. And so since I've been married and all the different job changes I've I've lived out, it's really taking, you know, King Solomon's words, you know, trust, trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your understanding in all your ways, 
Acknowledge him. Acknowledge him and he will direct your path. So it's not in some of your ways, but it's right. in all your ways. Mm-hmm. And don't lean on your own understanding. Most of us lean on our own understanding. We follow our own dreams and we ask God to bless those dreams. And so I've always tried to live out with the principle of God's dreams are bigger and better than my dreams. So if I can tap into what his dreams are for me, not just for me, but for what he wants to do through me. Oftentimes we get Kingdom. that we get that wrong and it's like, what are my dreams? Right. What does God want to do for me? And so much of what God wants to do through us in life is about what he wants to do through us to impact others. And so if we begin to really seek him, I just believe he will reveal things to us. So I was at a point where um, I was working in Los Angeles at the time for uh, for Word Records, and they were going to move us to Nashville. I didn't think I was supposed to come to Nashville. In fact, I was positive I wasn't supposed to come to Nashville, and my wife didn't want to come to Nashville. And so we were were praying and fasting, looking for (laughs) a new job opportunity to reveal itself uh-huh. In Los Angeles, well, surprisingly, at, you know, again, we just thought, okay, we're staying here. Something else is going to happen here. God's answer to that prayer instead was, "You're going to go to law school," mm-hmm. which was the most crazy thing that He's ever spoken to me. Mm-hmm. And um, so, in fact, I didn't even tell Carol for a couple of days because I thought she would laugh. I figured she would think that was the most ridiculous thing right. she had ever heard. Fortunately, she didn't laugh, and we began to walk that out with our pastor and some other leaders. I met with another entertainment attorney in Los Angeles and just began to pray and say, God, could this really be you? This was so clear, but so crazy. It was like it was like a build an ark kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah. And um, so that's what we began that journey. And, but you moved to yeah, Nashville. We ended up moving because I could not take the LSAT in time before. So we basically uh, moved here uh-huh. thinking I would take the LSAT and then probably move back to Los Angeles to actually mm-hmm. go to law school there. Well, he had a couple other different plans along the way. We ended up being here for almost three years before mm-hmm. we left for yeah. school. And I'm grateful but for those, that. Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but those whole three years, we knew law school was coming. We just didn't know God's timing. Mm-hmm. And we had to go through a couple of curves mm-hmm. um, and deal with some, own, some of our own heart but, issues but, before that happened. But yeah, yeah. But again, how did you hear from God, I guess is my question. How did you know? That it was him. That it was him yeah. speaking to you. Yeah. Well, it, it was really like prayer and fasting. Mm-hmm. It was crying out to the Lord for, for months and in the middle of the night. It was and, not an and, easy thing. In May of 92, the Lord spoke it. You know, he, he basically spoke it as, as clear as if he was in the same room with me. And So you and heard him audibly. I, you can call it audible. You can, whatever, whatever you want to call spirit. it. But it was clear. Mm-hmm. It was absolutely clear. And I really argued because I, my first response was, I'm too old. At that mm-hmm. point, I was almost 30, 31. Mm-hmm. And that is old. And, and he said, "Yeah." <laughs> he said, "He says it's by my spirit." And I said, yeah. "I'm not. I'm not smart enough to go to law school." And he says, "It's by my spirit." And so everything I would, everything I would challenge him on, he would just say, "It's by my spirit." Yeah. And so it became clear it wasn't. And and to be able to step into those days of law school was definitely the most difficult mm-hmm. thing that I've ever. It was so far beyond my natural ability. Yeah. But it forced me for those three years to really rely on him and and to walk in my faith. And you know, honestly, to this day, I took the bar exam. Most difficult thing I've ever done. I bet. I walked out thinking, there is no way that I passed. Yeah. Well, I got the results. I passed. <laughs> so again, Hallelujah. I, the Lord did that as well. And so I don't know how, how that worked out. But um, but yeah, and that's, you know, there's been a few well, points in were, my life like that. You were no dummy. You, you uh-huh. certainly put a lot of work into it. worked it, hard. I mean, there's one thing about networking is that you have to be, you have to have a certain sense of being good at what you do as well. I mean, you're, you're not going to networking kills, but you also have to have skills 
uh, not in networking, but in the ability to practice law yeah. well and the ability to learn how to study well and and understand the principles, yeah. right? I mean, yeah, but it's interesting. You know, it's kind of like I, I often compare myself to David in the Bible. You know, David was the uh, was underestimated. Mm-hmm. You know, he was not the warrior people expected. He was not the king nope. people expected. But he was the anointed one. He was the last. One. He was the anointed unprofessional. Mm-hmm. So I often feel like that as a lawyer, because I, I deal with lawyers every day in Beverly Hills in New York City, who I'm just thinking, these guys are so much brighter than I am. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. These guys have so many big clients, skills, brilliant, but I'm anointed to do what I do. And I know God's put me in that position, and he's given me the ability to do it. I'm not the obvious pick to be an entertainment attorney, but he's anointed me to do it. And it's by his strength and by his power that I continue to do it every day. Mm-hmm. And, and I, feel, I feel blessed in that. And, mm-hmm. and, and it, it, it points to him. Because again, to this day, I have people, well, see, I haven't seen them in a long time around town at a coffee place or whatever. And it's funny how often they'll go, man, I remember when you resigned back in 95 to go to law school. Mm-hmm. We all thought you were crazy, mm-hmm. but man, look, how did you? And I was like, man, it's, it's all the Lord. 25 years ago. It's, it's, it's the Lord, you know, yeah. that, uh, that gave me the ability to do that. It, it was nothing in my own wisdom or strength. Yeah. So. Well, um, I, w- I want to just, if, is there any specific, would you say that there are steps that you outline or things that you can do intention with intentional intentionality is that the right word <laughs> the steps that you can take right now like if just for the listeners sure from the from the book or things that you want them to take action on what would you say would be some of those things yeah now so they can begin to take the turn i'm i'm hearing a lot of things but sure how they can make the turn from me focused to outward from taking what can i get from this to how can i give sure i'll give you two or three practical things number one and i saw i've seen it in my own life as a professor when i stepped into the classroom 10 years ago i'd done some speaking and i've been on panels but to step step into a classroom to carry a class for almost three hours was very intimidating for me i can imagine very intimidating and so again what i learned in that process is you step into that room, you step onto a platform, you step into a board meeting, into a presentation, where it's not about you. Mm-hmm. You're in that moment to serve those people in front of you. If you're an artist and you're singing on a stage, you're stepping, you gotta see the stage as a place of love, as a place of where you're gonna get your needs and you're gonna receive applause and be affirmed. If you begin to step on the stage or into a classroom, where you're going to serve those people in front of you. You begin to see those people that God's put you into those people's lives to give them something of value. Mm -hmm. If you're a singer, it's your voice, it's Mm -hmm. hope, it's Mm -hmm. joy, it's it's empathy. If it's a business presentation, you're you're giving people ideas. Mm -hmm. It's not about you. So whether you say things perfectly, it doesn't matter. Whether you have the right exact cool clothes on, it doesn't matter, but you're stepping in to serve those people. And it's interesting, as you begin to do that with that sort of heart, you could be the most timid person, but all of a sudden when it's about those 30 people in the room, the fear just falls off of mm-hmm, you because mm-hmm. it's not about you. Mm-hmm. You know, It's about them. That's important. You know, um, What do you do when you catch yourself starting to move into me-focused? I, pr- do I you pray. Notice, does that yeah. happen? I would imagine. Yeah. Well, one of the things I do every night, I step into the classroom with students. I've done this for ten years. Um, sometimes I come from very difficult, 
days, day. you know, negotiation, difficult attorneys, whatever I've been dealing with. Maybe I haven't had enough time to prepare a lecture. So I'm stepping into class and I set the tone from the very beginning and I start with prayer. And it's not prayer for me, but it's prayer for those people in the mm-hmm, room. Mm-hmm. And I pray for them before I start class every night. Mm-hmm. And what it does, it, it sort of, uh, it helps me to identify with where they are. Mm-hmm. What are their needs? God, what are you doing in them? What do they need in this next hour and 15 minutes or whatever it is with me? What what do they need? And I can't give them everything you need. they need, but you can. Right. So begin, even right now as I'm praying, Bring peace to the room. Mm-hmm. They've probably had hard days too. Right. Bring peace. And so again, it sets the tone and sort of the table for serving from the very beginning, right, right there. And that's just sort of been a tradition. So that that's one of the ways I do it. And that's it. really yeah. helped yeah. just keep... Yeah. And then again, you know, I think I always... One of the things I've seen, you know, as a lawyer, you, you live in such a contentious um, world with so many people I'm dealing with. You know, you're trying to serve your client, but you're dealing with other attorneys who may be difficult. They sometimes might be dishonest or they just, they're prideful. And so how do you step into those phone calls with humility and grace and love? And sometimes it's really hard. Sometimes they can be very antagonistic. One of the things I've learned, and this is, again, in in any sort of a conflict, you step into those moments of conflict and how do you have compassion with this person that you're in conflict with? What are their needs? What are they going through? You know, yeah. there's, there's, and I've seen this so many times where I've been stuck on a, a deal that we're trying to get done and it just cannot get done. Yeah. And what happens when I begin to pray for that other attorney, pray for his marriage, pray for his children, pray for his salvation, pray. And then it's amazing as my heart gets soft <clears throat> and tender and compassionate towards him. And he doesn't know I'm praying for him. I'm praying for him maybe before we get on the phone call or whatever. Sure. But then you get on the phone call, and it's almost like you see this log jam just begin to break. Mm, mm-hmm. Because again, in the spiritual realm, God begins to do something in him, and he hears in my voice humility and compassion and care for him in the midst of these things that we're stuck on. Right. And then what happens, the log jam's removed. And then the next thing you know, the end of the, end of the call, he's like, hey, man, next time I'm in Nashville, I really want to sit down with you and have mm-hmm, coffee. Mm-hmm. A guy who I think would never even want to see my face <laughs> now wants to get, get coffee. Right, right. And so, again, that's another great way. Serving can help to eliminate, so you prayer, know, erase conflict. Yeah, serving. Yeah, step, step. Yeah, stepping some other into practical. Yeah, things. some other practical ways. I think is just again, as you're going to, like, say you you feel like I'm supposed to go to this event. I'm mm-hmm. supposed to go uh, to 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 meet people. Well, learn who they are. Learn what mm. you know. So where you're not going just to you're not hope, going cold. You're not going cold to hopefully just give them a card or hope that they would call you, but be able to step up to someone, maybe someone who's a hero or someone that you think is a great yeah. business person. And if you happen to have an opportunity to talk to him, instead of just going, gosh, I hope I could get a meeting with him or a phone call with him, or he would read my book or hear my song or whatever, affirm that person and just say, Hey, you know what you said today? I just want to tell you. That one line that you said in this, how much that meant to me. Or you know what? When I read your book last year, I just really want to tell you how much that encouraged me or how much it encouraged my wife. Again, you're, you're going to affirm and to bless them. Certainly, you can pray for them. And there's just different things to do where, where people that you think, gosh, could this be a great business relationship with mm-hmm. me? Instead of going in hoping that you're going to get something from them, no matter if you're an 18-year-old or a 55-year-old, you have something to give. Yeah. God's God's placed his Holy Spirit in you where you can go into that situation, you can love them, you can bring peace to them, you can affirm them and what they've accomplished. Mm-hmm. And then it's interesting, as you do that, 
you sort of stand out from all the other people gathered around them that are hoping to get something from them because you've gone in to give instead of to take. And so it can change the whole atmosphere. I think that's one of the things that, and that's the thing, I think, in living our lives, social media right now, it's teaching this next generation, if you want to be successful, if you want to make a business, if you want to get a record deal, you got to make yourself visible, Mm -hmm. right? Mm Mm-hmm. But what God's saying is, no, it's not about visibility. It's about availability. you mm-hmm. got to make yourself available. And as you make yourself available to others, then there's, there's value. And you're giving value. And value lasts. So part of it, what I'm trying to say to this next generation is I want to blow up that whole myth that, you know, if I've got X number of views, if I, I this many followers, number one, first off, you got to work hard. Mm-hmm. You've got to make a great product. You got to make a great song. You got to learn how to write great songs. Quality. There's no shortcut. Right. Views and likes and followers, they may get you a little bit of exposure, but if you want to actually develop a career and create something of value that's going to change people's lives, it takes a lot of work and a lot of effort. So that's number one. Mm-hmm. And then number two, don't focus so much on making yourself visible, focus on loving and giving and serving. Mm-hmm. You know, a great example in the music industry is Garth Brooks, mm-hmm. hugely popular. But in those early days, he would stand out there at, at the country music convention in town and he would sign autographs yeah. for 16 hours. Made himself available. He made himself available. He said to his fans, I'm not just up there wanting the money for these shows where I can buy a big house. I'm here to I want to meet. I want to meet you. I want to talk to you. I want to give you, I, I want you to know how much I care for you as an artist. It's not about me just taking from you. It's mm. like, I want to give back to you. And I think that's, it's interesting how you even see it's, you know, I often have talked about um, Kanye West and Kim Kardashian. It's been interesting what's happened in their lives this last year. It is, yeah. And you begin to see even a Kim Kardashian where, you know, a couple of years ago, like what, what value is she giving to society? Well, now with what's happened with her husband, she's st- starting to focus on uh, prison reform and all these things. And you're going, oh my goodness, now yes. that's, that's the kind of thing, you know, same with Kanye, you know, mm-hmm. his music has been wonderful for years, but now he's really, he's, he wants to give oh, hope that Taylor Swift incident wasn't the best. Yeah. Wasn't the best. He's certainly learned a lot since yeah. then. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, it is interesting to see the influence that he's having on Kim Kardashian just from a oh yeah outsider's view. Sure. Now these principles are are timeless. Um, this is not something that can be done insincerely. It it's it needs to be done with authenticity. I think um, from a purity of heart, and that's a difficult thing. I think for some people to to real a, a change and a shift is the whole purity of heart motivation. Sure. You know, I find it. I find it challenging to talk to a celebrity or talk to somebody that I've admired. I actually have a harder time talking to people who maybe I admire because I don't want to appear as if I'm just blowing smoke and being that guy that's wants something from them. Do you sure. know what I mean? I th- I'm sure a lot of people feel that way when sure. they might meet someone who uh, they've admired or that they can do big things for them. Yep. I tend to avoid those people. <laughs> like yeah, because you're afraid. You want to almost I'm protect yourself. Like you don't want to say something. When I was be, at yeah. the, when I was doing my conventions, I actually felt way more comfortable with the volunteers and the people serving, the small guys, than yeah. I was talking to the celebrities. I yeah. I stayed away from the celebrities because I didn't want to bother them. But I don't necessarily know that. I think it was my fear that I was listening to, and I, I looking back. I wished I had been more upfront and 
pushed over that fear. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you say to to someone like me who is maybe afraid to talk to somebody that? Yeah. You know, in that well, situation. well, I think it's I think it's listening to the Lord. I think it's saying, "Am I supposed to? Am I supposed? Is to? this about me or is this about them? Mm-hmm. Is by me going to them, am I just going to be one more person in a long line of people who's trying to take something from this famous person just to take that moment? So just, is it taking? Yeah, just taking so, so I can tell all my friends that get I shook, a, get a shook, Yeah, so I got the selfie, so I shook their hand, you know. And so mm. I think that's I think part of it's asking yourself, Lord, what do you have? And I think I think there's times that we're supposed to walk away pray for them. Hey, I got to see them. That was all I was supposed to do. But there's yeah. other times that we're supposed to interact. I think I think it's really listening to him. One thing that's important, I think we, I, I just want to emphasize too, because we haven't, so much of the heart of this, and maybe it's evident to your listener right now that this is part of the gospel and Christ's teaching, but well, what really- Well, the Courage Cast is all a, I yeah, mean, faith-based. Yeah. But, but what I want to say, I think the, the key to this story, which I think really exemplifies this whole yeah, theme really well, is James and John's mom, mm. you know, because she came bringing her two teenage sons to Christ, and she was the ultimate networker. She was the stage mom of all stage moms, you know, <laughs> right? So she, here she's got her two teenage boys, and she brings them to Christ and says, okay, Christ, I want my sons to be on your right and on your left, oh. and the greatest in your kingdom, mm-hmm. right? And what was Christ's response? He says, first off, he goes, you don't have any idea what you're asking. Yes. And then he gives, he gives her a little bit of a lesson, but ultimately the, 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 heart, the, the heart, heart of the lesson was, if you want to be great, if you want to be successful, you become servant and slave of all. Mm. And that's what Christ taught us. That's where we find greatness, mm. you know? So again, I think that example of her with those boys, we've seen it repeat so many times with especially in the music industry but in so many areas we you know we 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 want this greatness but we think it's going to come with power and authority and fame and Christ like no, no. it doesn't come greatness comes from service it comes from uh, laying down our life it comes to generosity and um i don't know i just it's a it's a great story i think that really helps to fill in this no yeah. you don't even understand how uh prophetic that even was that what you just said because today i posted this quote from joshua medcalf everyone wants to be great until it's time to do what greatness requires you've heard probably heard that before right sure everyone wants to be great until it's time to do what greatness requires now i just asked the question what does greatness require and it's very interesting to see what people are saying because um there's two different views. There's great. You, are you talking about greatness in the kingdom, or are you talking about greatness as the world sees it? Don't you think there's a difference between the two? Could, well, sometimes. Yeah, or maybe not. Yeah, sometimes. I, I think to me, greatness is some of it. A lot of it's internal. You know, it's it's satisfaction with a life well lived. And I think that's where we find true success. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to be famous or wealthy necessarily, but that's where you find peace, you know, success. And I think success. you know that that word. You know, when Christ talks about in the Sermon on the Mount, that word for you know the the, the blessed, blessed are, are those who blessed are those. Mm-hmm. That word is makorius in, in the Greek, which basically it's a um, it, it's a contentment. It's it's a um, it's an esteemed, but also a content life, mm. and um, so it, it, it's it's a great picture of not just wealth, 
there almost that wealth and contentment internal, internal, internal I think. Wealth yeah. And and, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and that, that, um, you know, I just, I just think it's just so perfect how you brought the word great and greatness into the conversation we had today, because I, I do believe that the answer lies in, in perseverance and hard work and sacrifice and, mm-hmm. and giving the ultimate sacrifice, giving your, giving up your life and living your life by assignment. Like you talked about. Yeah. Um, that's probably what, what it requires that that's an, those are elements of it for sure. Yeah. Uh, whether it's in the world or whether it's kingdom. Yeah. You know, but it is in serving. Yeah. And it's, it's really, and it's, we live this out in our availability to others, you know, and availability. so, it, it, you know, I think, you know, Abraham Lincoln modeled it, you know, he met with anyone who ever wanted to meet with him. He was sort of known for that, you know, in, That's in, crazy. These, in these days, Bob Goff models it, you know, mm-hmm. if you've bought his book, you can call him on his phone in the back of the book. <laughs> I still don't know how he does that, <laughs> but, but that he would drive my wife nuts, right, but he makes himself, he makes himself available. And yeah. I think that's, that's one of the reasons Bob Goff, a man who's in his late fifties mm-hmm. is one of the most, um, influential Christian leaders on college students and Generation Z right now is because that is appealing. Here's a man who's an attorney and an ambassador to Uganda, yet he's making himself available to my phone call. I've never that's, even met him before. Unbelievable. So it's so that that sort of heart of availability, that's what the is next your generation is. No, I can, but I'll, I'll write it in there for you if you want to. <laughs> I know your number. <laughs> uh, well, that's that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't realize that that's what he did. Yeah. But making yourself available. There's so much I'm going to take from this, and I'll summarize this in the, uh, the end of the episode, okay. the beginning of the episode. But this is fantastic, Mark. Thank you for taking an hour with me today and making yourself available sure. to the Courage Cast. My pleasure. And to the My Courageous pleasure. community. Um, Networking Kills, Success Through Serving. You can find the book on Amazon. I'll put a link to the book. Anything else you'd like our our listeners to to know, action steps, things that they can do to yeah. move forward in this? Yeah. You know, I would say serving changes the world. And sometimes you can look at yourself and say, I don't have the resources. I don't have the education. I don't have the personality. You know, I don't have the network of people. You want to? You have a, a dream. You feel like is God's dream. He's put in your heart. My wife Carol always reminds me because oftentimes, as I'm heading down um, to Belmont, you know, I'm frustrated. Like oh, I want to be doing more. There's so many students that I know that I wish I could have coffee with that one or connect with that one. I know that one's going through something difficult, and I'm, I feel like there's more to be done. And she always looks me in the eye and she says, "It's one person at a time." Mm-hmm. It's one at a time. And so I think whatever God's called you to, build it one person at a time. You know, Change one person today, maybe you'll change two tomorrow. Serve one person today, maybe you'll serve two tomorrow. But don't let that big dream intimidate you from the things you want to accomplish, whether it's career or a new business or a job. Start with that person in front of you, that classmate sitting next to you, that um, coworker, that you're working with at the coffee shop, you know, the person you're with at your internship, start with those people around you. And it's one person, and it's beginning to really develop a heart that way because I think serving does change the world. Mm. Start small. Thank you, Mark Maxwell. You, My pleasure. You uh, have really blessed us today. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of The Courage Cast. I want to invite you in to taking the next step in your journey towards living your most courageous life. You can do that very simply by visiting courageouscommunity.com forward slash challenge. That's courageouscommunity.com forward slash challenge.